Welcome to the Feeding and Leading Podcast, featuring Todd Fisher and Andy Taylor, a podcast for church leaders focusing on expository preaching, pastoral leadership, and ministry. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Feeding and Leading Podcast. I am joined with my friend Andy Taylor. Andy, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, Todd. How are you? Doing good. It's busy time. It's summertime when we're recording this and just finishing up Falls Creek and uh, had a great week of Falls Creek. Just short of 2,500 students uh, made a commitment to follow Christ. It's awesome. So, man, it's really amazing. Yeah, it's been an amazing summer. Good stuff. So uh, today's episode, we're going to talk about preaching. Yep. And specifically, we're going to talk about what many people call the CIT, the central idea of the text, or the main idea of the text, or what, what are some other things you've heard it called before, Andy? Uh, thesis statement, um, the argument, what are you trying to argue through mm-hmm. the text? Whatever you call it, it's, it's the main idea that's being uh, presented in the text that you are basing the sermon on. Right. So what the argument here is, and this is a this is a real linchpin of expository preaching. And so the argument here is that every passage, or if you want to use a technical term, pericope mm-hmm. of Scripture. By the way, type pericope in Word, and we'll always autocorrect it to the to word periscope. periscope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so every pericope or passage of Scripture has a main idea, a central idea. And so what one of the things you need to do when you're preaching a text of Scripture is to mark off that passage. So if you're preaching through a book of the Bible, one of your early things you're going to do is read through that whole book multiple times, multiple translations, read it in your original language if you can. And then you're going to mark off the the preachable sections of of that book. And so you're going and you're finding, okay, I can preach these eight verses. They they kind mm-hmm. of make a passage. They kind of and honestly, most modern day translations give you some help in here. Like if you're reading a New American Standard, it will set off a new pericope where the number of the verse is in boldface type. Right. Or it does it in like a paragraph form. Or it will do it in subheadings. But even within subheadings, you still have pericopes within those. But you want to go in and find the, the preachable chunk, if you will, of the text. And once you have found, you've marked off your passage, you have the preachable part of the text, you're going to read that and you're going to say, what is the main idea of this text? So every biblical passage has a main idea. Mm-hmm. And generally... What I've always taught my students to do is your central idea of the text is a single present tense sentence. Right. So in a single present tense sentence, tell me what the main idea of this text is. What what would you add to that, Andy? No, I, I would I would say exact same thing. I think uh, you, you wanna write you wanna be able to write down that one sentence. Uh, in active voice sentence, so that a- as you progress through your thoughts on how that text is to be preached, everything that you're going to say supports that sentence. Right. 
Right. And and it serves as a protection to keep you on track. Yeah, yeah. So talk about that a little bit, how we've all listened to sermons that just chase rabbits. <laughs> you know, yeah. They go all over the place. That's right. And and really that CIT is like a masthead. It, it's 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 overarching the whole sermon. And and in reality, however many points you have of your sermon, mm-hmm. they need to in some way support what your CIT is. That's they, they all need to be connected. Because man, it's it's bad to listen to a sermon and you know, a guy gets up there, reads a text, and then he just goes all over the place. Yeah. But I think really true expository biblical preaching is that whole sermon is is anchored in some way to that central idea of that text. That's right. And so to to not have that firmly planted in your mind as you are as you're preparing the sermon, as you're preparing notes, if, the, if you use notes, or even when you step into the pulpit, y- you are basically uh, almost doomed mm-hmm. to be all over the place. That's right. I mean, it would That's take right. a very disciplined mind to, yeah. to not do that. And, and I think, too— in crafting a CIT, and, and, and that's early in the sermon preparation process. That's right. You're going to read your passage several times. You're going to look at it and all that. But but before you start thinking about points and all that, you're going to write that CIT. The theological aspect of a CIT is when you write out a CIT, it helps you grasp that authorial intent. Okay, you know, what, what did Paul mean? Mm-hmm. In the what was Paul trying to say to his readers in this passage of scripture? Right. And authorial intent is so important. The text cannot mean what it never meant. Right. Uh, we 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 are not here to tell the Bible what is true. The Bible is here to tell us what is true. So we want to grab that authorial intent, and the CIT really helps you grab that. So there's a theological reason behind having a CIT right. as well. I think now. Um, before we kind of become practitioners here, and we're actually going to try to do this a few times maybe to help help listeners just kind of understand what we're talking about. I think the other thing that a CIT does is – and you have a, a, a sermon that is has this really singular focus on what the main idea of the text was. You're going to get up. You're going to read a passage of scripture to your listeners at church. You're going to preach on that. You want your listeners walking out the door thinking about what the main idea of that text was so that they can go and theologically reflect on it, they can go and they can live it out. I've often said that the the greatest compliment that someone can give me after a sermon is not, wow, you were really fired up today, preacher. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was really powerful today. Wow, preacher, that was really – the greatest compliment someone can give me after a sermon is for them to look at me and say, hey, pastor, today your sermon was about – and then what comes out of their mouth next is essentially the CIT. Right. My job is not to wow the people. My job is to f- spiritually feed the people. My job is to teach the Bible to people. And when you've got a CIT going and your sermon is anchored in that, it's going to really help you accomplish that objective that I've I today I have taught my people the word of God. Right. So that CIT when when it is absolutely clear to you as a pastor and and you state that clearly uh, to the people that it, 
it provides the kind of clarity for them that they're able to walk out with that without saying, oh, wait a minute, what what, yeah. what did he talk about? Yeah. I know that he talked about this and he talked yeah. about that. And, uh, you know, it, it narrows things down to be pinpoint. Mm-hmm. So the way that I say it is, a, as a preacher, you can either – uh, you can either shoot at the people like a shotgun where it's mm-hmm. just sprayed all over the place mm-hmm. or – just sorry, it's gruesome. It's military, right? <laughs> or you can be a sniper. Yeah, yeah. And and you want for that no. one shot. That's good. That's right? right. That's right. That's good. So one, one other thing before we kind of just do a few of these. Um, I think a CIT as I'm writing out my CIT. Mm-hmm. One of the things to kind of have in the back of my mind is, is is that whole idea of a sermon having the imperative and the indicative. Yeah. So for our listeners, a really excellent book on preaching is John Carrick's The Imperative of Preaching. Right. And in The Imperative of Preaching, what Carrick argues is that every good sermon has to have the indicative, which is the the teaching part. This is what you need to know about this passage. But it also has to have the imperative, which is the application. This is what you need to do mm-hmm. about this passage. So God didn't give us the Bible just to be a truckload of facts. It is all factual, but God didn't just give us the Bible to inform us. He gave it to transform us. Mm-hmm. And so that's the – we are informed and we are transformed by what we read in the Bible. And good sermons have that. So one of the things I think to think about when you're writing your CIT and um, Haddon Robinson in his book, he calls this the subject and the compliment. The subject is you're, 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 you're asking – you're reading a passage of scripture and you ask yourself this question, what do I want my listeners to know mm-hmm. about this passage? But you know the compliments are what what what's going to help support that, and then part of that is going to be what do I want them to do mm-hmm. with this passage. Yeah. So a CIT I think needs to kind of reflect, you know, in some sense that indicative what do I need to know and that imperative what do I need to do mm-hmm. yeah. based on this passage. Yeah, absolutely, and and you can do that in a number of different ways in in the way that you write your CIT. Sometimes your CIT needs to be written as a statement of fact. Sometimes it can be written in the interrogative as a question, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but it will still pull out both the indicative what's being taught and the imperative. So you just need to think uh, what needs to be done. So you just need to be thinking about that clearly. Right, right. Okay. So let, let's just kind of just for the listeners, let, let's do a couple of passages of Scripture. Okay. And and maybe, you know, so let's just take – because I know people listening to this in the car. <laughs> it might be kind of hard to turn to your Bible right now. If you're driving now, do not yes, open your please, Bible. Please do not do that. Uh, but, like, let's just take a simple one, like the Great Commission. Yeah. So Matthew 28, 19, 20, uh, what, what would we say is the CIT of those two verses of the Great Commission? Yeah, so, you know, obviously you, you read through that and you're, you're thinking about some of the contextual ideas to it. But Jesus is saying, what's, what's the most important thing for you guys to do when I'm gone? Mm-hmm. And, and when we look at it, and, and this is another way that you can get to the CIT, is look at either words that are repeated or mm-hmm. you can look at what are main verbs. Well, what's the main verb in that text? Yeah. It's make yeah. disciples. Make disciples. So that is going to be kind of the central piece that forms the CIT mm-hmm. uh, as, as, you, uh, as you develop that. So uh, I don't know. Maybe you might say 
um, uh, the church's the church's commission is to is to make disciples. Right. You know? Right. I mean, it can be that simple. Yeah. Yeah. And and you can do a little bit of, and I think what you just said right there is very important. What we might do is, and I've done this many times, um, I'll take a passage of Scripture, I'll read through it, I'll write out my CAT. Mm-hmm. And then I really get into my word study, I get into you know, grammar stuff, and I'm like, and I, oh, I realize, oh, wow, this, this participle is really the crux of this passage. It, yeah. is, it is the, And then I might come back and tweak my CIT. Right. And because of, of of what my study has informed me about it, so you yeah. know, you, yeah, like what you said, the church. Every Christian is called to make, to make disciples. Yeah, and every Christian, you know, there's an argument about the Great Commission. Is that actually given to just just the pastors, or yeah. is that given to every? Right. And I think you read that and study like, no, every Christian yeah. is is given. Right. So, and then if we wanted to talk about compliments to like the Great Commission. All right, so the CAT is the church or every Christian yeah. is called to make disciples. Mm-hmm. The every nation part is a complement to that. Mm-hmm. The baptizing them yeah. and the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the, the Trinity aspect of that, the, right. the going. Yeah, the, the three participles there, yeah. going, teaching, baptizing, mm-hmm. and then you have all nations. Yeah. All of those are complements to the subject. So then when I'm crafting that sermon, all my points, you know, even though not every little thing and every little illustration you use has to be directly connected to that CAT. Yeah. But it's got to flow. I mean, somebody's got to walk out of that message and go, "Wow, that sermon today was about how I am to be about making disciples." Yeah. And even how do I make disciples? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So then uh, let's take another one, like the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. What, what, would, what would be like a CAT for the Good Samaritan? Uh, well, I don't have that text in front of me right now, but uh, I would say— <laughs> I hope you know it. That, that probably uh, it, it's about being—that every Christian should be a good neighbor, mm-hmm. right? Or how the, how the church is to, uh, to minister to those around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, I am as a follower of Jesus. I am called to love and care for all people. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but you can come back and like when you do the Good Samaritan, you see the importance of that word and idea of neighbor because you know the the neighbor idea bookends that passage of scripture, right? Because that's how, right. What what precipitates Jesus telling that story is. Somebody comes up and says, "Who is my neighbor?" Yeah, the young rulers ask, and then what Jesus, do I do? Yeah, and then Jesus masterfully at the end flips it and says, "You know, really, the question isn't who is my neighbor; the yeah. question is, am I being a good neighbor?" Right, and that's <laughs> got to factor into your CAT. That's right. right there. You know, and and then you have all the compliments that you can come up with in that. Um, you know, the giving of your resources. Uh, the fact that it's someone who might be unlovable, mm-hmm. the 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 risk involved in loving your neighbor, yeah, you know that's involved in that sometimes. You, you even get a contrast of who is not a good neighbor. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and then you have some others like we could take. 
that first opening passage of uh, Colossians, you know, when he does that just magisterial description of Jesus, yeah. who is the creator of the universe, and you know that 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 cosmic Christ idea that comes out in that passage of scripture. Yeah, you know, your CIT uh, is you know going to be something like. You know, there's there's no one greater than Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is greater than all. And yeah. and, and and he, you know, I need to, I need to make him my Lord. You know, some, yeah. something along those lines. Yeah. Um, I, I think of like like you got another one, like Mark thirteen. Mark thirteen is this chapter towards the end of that gospel. That's uh, that's eschatological. And yeah. So Jesus is gonna. This is this is the signs of the times, all the end times, and so. The CIT of, of a passage in Mark 13 could be, you know, uh, what we can expect in the last days. Mm-hmm. And then you have all these compliments of there's going to be widespread deception, things are going to get worse, morals are going to wane, families, homes are going to be torn apart and weakened, the gospel is going to be proclaimed to the whole world. I mean, those are all the compliments of that, but you read that passage of Scripture and, um, you know, that's it. Here's what we can expect in the last days, and then everything kind of falls in after that. What, what, what's another one? You know, I think of uh, like John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Now, you could preach uh, – you, you could try to get that whole, that, that whole narrative about, about Lazarus in one sermon – I tried to, and I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> I think I did like five. Yeah, I think. In I mean, John I, I think you could at least break it up a couple, three ways. Yeah. There, but you know, the 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 front end of that when Jesus doesn't show up, when you know Martha and Mary want him to come, and, and Lazarus dies, and and Jesus even preplans this. No, this is we're not going now. This is for God's glory. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, as I read through that, I, th- I think a good CIT would be something like, "You can trust God's timing." Yeah, and so that turns into kind of a, a really kind of a pastoral sermon at right. that point. Right, and and your your compliments there are going to be. Uh, you know, you look at Mary as she comes and she, she approaches Jesus, and her confidence is is even. She's renewing her confidence in Him and saying, right. "If you would have been here, yeah." Which is funny because later in the passage, Martha says the same thing, which tells right. me that the two had rehearsed That's it right. together. That's right. Right. Or or the confession that they have that He is the Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. th- those kind of things serve as as theological compliments to yeah. this idea that you can trust God's timing. Yeah, and, and depending if you broke that if you broke John eleven up into multiple sermons, the, there's there are there are things like your CAT. Like towards the beginning of that, you can trust God's timing. Because mm-hmm. that's a key part of that story. Yeah. Especially at the beginning. Right. Is Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't be dead. Right. But then you get towards the end of it and and and, and when and again, when you read that whole chapter because you're thinking CIT, I'm, I'm trying to get up to twenty, thirty thousand feet. You know, the the thing about that chapter is is the display of the power of God, right? Because it's the John is very limited in parables and miracles compared right. to the synoptics. That's right. And this is the last. By the, I was going to say miracles. this is the last public it, miracle, it is, and, it, and and arguably yeah. you could say the most powerful, at least in their minds. You know, hey, it's one thing to feed five thousand or twenty five thousand, calm a storm, but come on, I mean, right in front of our eyes, you rose a man from the dead. Yeah, and uh, and I love that part in that passage too, where 
I remember when I would preach that, you go back and look at, at, at any time in the Bible when someone rose someone from the dead, right? Mm-hmm. They, they always prayed to the Father. They asked yeah. the Father. And Jesus prays before that, but not – but he doesn't ask God to raise Lazarus from the dead. When it comes time to raise Lazarus from the dead, he just looks in there and says, Lazarus, come out. Yeah. And it's it's the only time in the Bible where someone's risen from the dead with a person who was kind of operating it, if you will. You yeah. know, he didn't call out to, you know, God, I can't do this, only you can. Jesus didn't do that because he had the power. Yeah. And and when you get to that passage of Scripture, that could be your CIT. You know, there, yeah. there is no greater That's power right. – but that's that's a great example of that chapter because you you could preach five sermons and even your five CITs even kind of interlace because all of it is part of a framework around that whole narrative of Lazarus yeah. being risen from the dead. Exactly. You might even you might even decide that if you're preaching sequential expositionally through John and you get to John eleven, you would do a little series yeah. that has yeah. its own kind of CIT. That each one of yeah. those is going to fit under. That's good. Yeah. All right, so let's wrap this up. Uh, just to summarize, then um, a good and really important part of expository preaching is having the CIT statement, the central idea of the text. I'm reading this passage. What is the main idea of this passage of scripture that I can articulate in a single present tense sentence? that can somehow possibly capture that imperative and that indicative idea of the of the passage yeah. of of the sermon and that is the framework for my entire message so the this is, it's really important to spend time here. Don't rush yes. that CIT. Yes. Really work that, craft it, wordsmith it, yeah. but, but really get that solid that yeah. this is what this text is saying. Because it'll be the railroad tracks. That's exact. Or you'll be all over That's the place. Right. That's right. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we will catch you next time. Amen. This episode of Feeding and Leading has been brought to you by the Cooperative Program and Oklahoma Baptists. Visit us at oklahomabaptist.org or your preferred podcast platform. Oklahoma Baptists, advancing the gospel together.